Hey you guys, Coco Moko here, and today's episode is with a very special guest. It is Tim Chusano. He is one of my favorite creators on TikTok because he really represents the beauty of the internet and how influencer is kind of this word that people throw around with this negative connotation. But then you have someone like Tim Chusano who is a corporate exec and he is a dad in Brooklyn and just started filming his life and really captured the attention of almost a million people. I think he'll probably hit a million, you know, knock on wood in the next week or two. Um, So go follow him to say that you found him before he took over the world and even had a million followers. I really feel like he's someone who could have a camera crew filming following him around one day or he's just really a great storyteller and he was actually one of my first friends that I made through the internet Um, I think we bonded because we both have nine to five corporate jobs and we connected when we became mutuals and had a very corporate like Zoom type meeting because we're on, you know, two different sides of the country. And it was just we kind of blew up at the same time and it was really nice to just have a friend in this world that is constantly changing and you never know what's going to happen next or where your where your platform is going to take you or where it's not going to take you you never know you know tiktok could be gone tomorrow none of these platforms owe us anything and we're kind of just enjoying the ride and talking to him and just seeing the way that he documents him and his family and his ability to tell stories he kind of reminds me of Emma Chamberlain or Bretman Rock or Casey Neistat, where there are just certain people who have the gift of storytelling. I would love to know like some facts about him astrologically, just to figure out like what his moon sign is, because there are some people that could make a video literally about sitting in a cardboard box watching grass grow, and they could make it a fascinating, fascinating story. You know, that's something that can't always be taught. Some people just have it or they don't. And he's one of those people that have that. So watching his videos are really amazing to see. And he's been compared to Casey Neistat, one of the greatest vloggers of all time. And I even asked him about that and his reaction to that comparison. And he had a really surprising answer. He answered in a way that I actually did not expect at all, but had really great insights about it. So we talk about that. We talk about his background. He's even won an Emmy when he was working at ESPN. And um, we talk about his process, how long it takes him to create a video from ideation to filming to posting and editing. So we really get into the thick of it, what his predictions are for the future of influencing and social media. And he's really just brilliant. I mean, he's been around in the nine to five corporate side of things for a while now. And so he has a certain perspective that not even a lot of influencers have, you know, it's hard to see the industry when you're in the thick of it. But when you have that bird's eye view, because you also work on the corporate side, it just gives you a different perspective. But most importantly, he's just really curious. That comes through in his videos. It's never lecturing or anything. It's just him being curious about the world and about his day and about what's going to happen and bringing people along for the ride. So with that being said, I think this is my longest intro I've ever done for someone on my podcast. But I just really, really wanted to set up the tone of this interview 
because it was something that was really special to me. I feel like he's going to blow up and be so huge. And I get to say that I was one of his first ever interviews and just brag about that. It He kind of gives me the, gives me the same feeling that I had when I was working with the D'Amelios in 2019. And when they took off, it was something that I took a lot of pride in that where I was working, we were able to get an interview with them early. I get that same feeling about Tim Chusano. So with that being said, I'm so happy you guys are listening to this interview. I know we've got a lot of hype about it because I was posting a clip promoting it on TikTok. And so people have been waiting for this episode to drop and I wanted to edit it and get it just perfect for you guys. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening. If you can give this podcast a rating, that's my currency. That's how I move towards being able to do shows like this full time. And even if you think one star, let me know why you think one star. Maybe I talk too slow. Maybe I talk too fast. Whatever it is, just let me know. Give me your thoughts. This is a collaboration. And thank you guys so much for listening. And I'll see you on the other side. I know we've met before. I'm well-versed on who you are and your your presence online. But for anyone listening who might not know, who are you and what is your background? My name is Tim. My background is live sports production, marketing at ESPN, creative executive at a Fortune 100 company. And I say that just for broader context, not because it mm-hmm. sounds fancy, even though I kind of hate saying that out loud, but it's true. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm basically a corporate schmuck who fell backwards mm-hmm. into TikTok. I'm also a 45-year-old father of a 10-year-old and a husband to a fantastic wife and just a dude who lives in Brooklyn and loves making mm-hmm. content. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I, we're gonna, cause I have some questions about all of that. I think it's all like your trajectory has been really fascinating. Um, and so my next question is what would you say that you're most known, known for on social media and kind of how did this platform come to be? I'm most known on TikTok and most known mm-hmm. for probably vlogs and Probably folks would say, oh, you're the POV guy, or you're the, this is a day in the life of a 45-year-old, or this is a dope-ass Friday in your 40s kind of opening intro. I just, I got most comfortable in just sharing on the go, so to speak, and I'm always looking for different ways to just explain what my world is like, hopefully in in the larger interest of just getting people kind of comfortable with it, so... Uh, TikTok vlogs is weird, as weird as it feels to say that out loud as a 45-year-old dude, yeah. but I'm probably most well-known for TikTok vlogs. Yeah, that's how I found you. I thought it was so, like, the way you frame the videos, I kind of have this theory on social media that uh, people don't always necessarily want, they they want it to be about them, even if it's not. And so instead of being like, this is me going to the Harry Styles show. The way you frame it is like POV, like you're waking up on a Saturday, you have tickets to the Harry Styles show. And it like immediately makes the audience feel like they're in first person. And it's a more personal, I think, way of framing it. Um, And when you first started making these videos, was there one video that really took off for you that was like, oh, there's something here? Like, can you remember what that video was and what that moment felt like? I there's I think it's still my most viewed video. It's about mm-hmm. a year old now, or maybe even longer than that. 
And I did, I remember the opening line, it was, this is a day in the life of a 25-year-old knucklehead stuck in a 45-year-old's world. And yeah, I saw that. <laughs> that's, and, but it's the way I feel, and it's the way I feel every day. Yeah. But people were genuinely confused. There were some people who were like, yo, you look terrible for 25. I'm like, that's oh. hilarious. <laughs> I thought it was oh the funniest God. comment. Um, yes. And, you know, and then it was all over the map. It was like, it just, it drummed up a larger conversation about yeah what does a day in your 40s look like and how much of a corporate person was I versus being a real human being and it was just a really fascinating conversation that it because mm -hmm. uh, it's like a 90 second TikTok so I was shocked at how it took off and today yeah. again probably has the most views but it just it gave yeah. me so many different avenues to then go down because the questions were popping up about so many different facets of the day what time you go to mm. bed if you wake up that time and what's your morning like and what's your job and um and it was just a fascinating just general space to go into i had a, i've had a couple others before that that were day in the lives that seemed to do well but that one in particular because i did like a full introduction of this is my daughter and this is my wife yeah. and this is what she does as well again it was i, I remember being at ad week social media week last year and mm -hmm. I was speaking with a, another company and they played that in the room to help intro. And I remember being like, this thing is an ungodly length for a TikTok. I was like, and A, I, just, I, I mean, I credit myself all the time, but yes. in particular, I remember being like, when will this end? I forgot how yes. long this thing is. Um, so yes. all, I mean, it's all surprising, but that one, that, that one I get kind of don't get, but I think it was really people just being confused as to wait, how old is he actually? Yeah, it's it's so funny how it's sometimes these almost like these moments that happen in videos where when you're filming it, you don't think that it's because to you, you saw the whole picture. So it makes sense. I'm thinking of I had a I had a vlog that got like over three million views once where I went to Knott's Berry Farm. It's this theme park in California mm -hmm. and you can buy these rocks and then they like they saw open the rock and you get your crystal. You don't know what it's going to look like. And the the saw is like very safe like it 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 can't hurt a person or something and i knew that cuz my boyfriend worked at not so we knew that going into the video and i was filming it and the video went viral and so many of the comments were like oh i thought he was going to saw his hand off and Knott's even had to make a reply video being like, we're safe, I promise. Everyone's like, call OSHA. They're like, no, we probably, like they like show how it works. So it's funny how sometimes these moments of confusion for the audience and them figuring it out is sometimes what propels these videos. And as the creator, like I can never pinpoint what those moments are going to be. Um, so it's just funny how that happens. Yeah, no, I've, I had a similar one. I think, it, I think, it, and I've actually have seen this, and it's so smart. Mm. The guy who does Unnecessary Inventions ex yeah. has explained in podcasts that he has left mistakes in videos intentionally because mm -hmm. he knows it's going to start a conversation. Where he'll yeah. do basic math wrong and then watch it take off because a yeah. thousand people will have to chime in and say, it's 32, it's not 34. And yes. I did this unintentionally explaining a date night in which we went to a restaurant that had accumulated five Michelin stars because it got mm -hmm. five one-star reviews X amount of times over the course of five, years, five times over the course yeah. of like seven years, whatever. And so I said, we went to this five-star Michelin restaurant and everybody had to tell me that's not how it works. You're an idiot, <laughs> et cetera. Yes. And I was like, 
and at first I was like kind of panicking because I was like, oh my God, like I didn't mean to do that. Yeah. And then once I kind of got over that and realized, well, this is just pushing it. And then people would start to argue with each other, like mm-hmm. that's not what he meant or blah, 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 blah. And so it's, it's funny sometimes. And it's fascinating to see that some creators do that on purpose because yeah. they know it's going to drive engagement. Yeah. It can be jarring as a creator at first when, and, and in the, at least in the behind the scenes of the industry, they call it um, controlled controversy where you would rather someone argue on a video about like what, you know, you, you saying the color of your nail polish was wrong versus like something really awful. So sometimes having those moments of controlled controversy is a way for people to have an outlet to critique your work without like it ever being malicious or mean on either end. But um, yeah, that's so interesting that that was what kind of, I, it makes sense now when you say that in, at least in my videos, I, I'm like almost positive I have some form of like adult onset dyslexia. Like I like words flip around for me when I'm reading. And so sometimes when I'm speaking, I I can't pronounce things correctly, but those videos go viral because people are like talking about it in the comments. And I, I never plan those moments. If anything, I'm embarrassed, but then in the long run, it's just, you know, you can't win. So it's better that people be like sometimes upset about things that aren't malicious or hurting anyone. So Totally, totally. I always try to give yeah. myself the benefit of the doubt that if my intentions are good and it's an honest mistake, I did literally did that yesterday where I tried to close something out because I'm like in a very time constricted space for making things and posting yeah. them. And my final sentence I meant to say, I'm just your friendly or awkward company or corporate and family blogger, but I said company <laughs> and corporate. And then I didn't realize until I was about to post it, and I was like, whatever. If So sometimes you definitely have to give yourself a break, especially if it's well-intentioned. Yes, I agree. And um, that kind of leads me, I'm going to jump around here with some of my questions because I Mm -hmm. do want to talk about, I was doing some creeping on you as I was prepping for this interview. And I want to ask you some questions about like the the Emmy and things like that. But um, that leads me to, so you often film your day-to-day in great detail and what is that process like? So uh, this isn't like, so you have your corporate life, so that takes up a lot of your time. So what is the time constraints? Like how long does it take from ideation to filming to editing? What is like, what does it take for one video? It depends on the day. It ranges from at a minimum, probably about a half hour to maybe two hours if it's something that I'm either making multiple episodes out of it or there's just mm-hmm. like a lot of historic context where I might just be spending time simply going through, you know, at this point, tens of thousands of old videos looking yeah. for how do I reference this specific clip to this moment that I met Kelly or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But it's a pretty, it's a very loose process that has a lot of rigor yeah. around it, I'll say because I I just grab and go. So I don't really know what the plan is. I have zero content strategy. There is no like Tuesdays I do this and Wednesdays I'm gonna do this. It is just, let me capture what happens throughout the course of the day. And then hopefully I will, so I do it all on my phone. I try to grab things in like maybe four second increments because it just makes it easier to do the editing. Yeah. Airdrop it to my laptop. Sometimes while I'm commuting on the subway, start a rough cut, hopefully last thing before I go to bed, which will be just simply 10 minutes of tightening it up. Mm -hmm. Ideally, I get it to around 90 seconds. And then at five, 
8.30-ish in the morning. I, after I've, you know, get up at four, work for a little bit, and then I'll pivot to making content and I'll sit there and be like, okay, what happened yesterday? How did you feel? Where is there something in it that might be useful? And also how do I just tell the right story based off of what really happened? Mm -hmm. And also at the same time, I can't talk about what happens at work for the most part. So it actually Mm -hmm. feels like I'm fighting with one arm tied behind my back. And I'm like, man, I'm super frustrated about X, Y, or Z, or this was hilarious, but I can't blow up the spot of coworkers uh, and those types of things. And, and I'll, and then most people find it interesting that I, that I do edit an iMovie because on the laptop, that means that you're actually looking at things in 16 by nine. And and so like, I'll bring things over to my wife to be like, Hey, will you take a look at this before I post it? And um, sometimes I forget until she looks at the computer like this. I'm like, oh yeah, that is really awkward that I, uh, edit that way. Um, voiceovers are made up on the fly and I just try to be honest and real and try to find a mix of usefulness. Um, but also just the way that I see the day Mm -hmm. and also not try to over-engineer it. And, you know, I do, I'm a marketer by trade. So Mm -hmm. I try to be cognizant of how interesting are the first three seconds, like some of those just like type of basic elements. Yeah. But because I wing it every single day, basically, you know, there'd be some times where I'm like, okay, yes. Like I just got back from Japan doing a, Mm -hmm. doing a compilation of all the snacks that I ate there was kind of a no brainer to do at some point. But for the rest of it, I just like grab clips throughout the course of a day and then, hopefully thread together in a way that's interesting and useful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, there's so many points on what you said. Um, the, the sideways thing is actually made me laugh because something similar had happened to me where before I was trained at one of my jobs on using these kind of fancier editing systems, I really only knew how to use iMovie. And so I was editing all of my videos sideways because you, turn them and then I'm on iMovie and I was so used to it and I mean these videos were doing numbers a household media name these videos were going viral and like it it wasn't like it was affecting the quality of the videos but I didn't even realize it was odd until I think I was telling someone about it on my team and they're like wait you edit all your videos sideways in iMovie I'm like yeah no one ever told me how to use any other platform so you know I always think sometimes the best storytellers, they don't need the fanciest equipment. Um, it's all about just, you know, really like telling a good story. And, um, and then another thing that you mentioned, um, was getting these clips throughout the day and, and the, maybe not always knowing what the outcome of the video, like what the story of the video is going to be when you start filming it. I think that's a mistake. A lot of people make, including myself when they're making vlogs is you think that you have to have everything figured out, but even my most, one of my most like watched vlogs was, I didn't even know if it was going to be interesting. Uh, my boyfriend and I went to the movies. We went to see Babylon and we were, I was just filming myself kind of going throughout. We went to dinner and then we went here and there. And I had, I just had a gut feeling I should just film the night and I didn't even think I would post it. And then right before the movie starts, they go, we have two special people joining you guys. And it was Toby Maguire. Um, from the original Spider-Man and Damon Chazelle. He's the one who made Babylon. 
And mm. I was just like, and then that video, I so if I had gone into the night being like, I don't have anything interesting enough to film, that vlog would have never came to be. But I kind of just went into it and I was like, I'm going to surprise myself as I'm filming the material and then figure it out the next day when I put it together. So yeah, not always knowing what's going to happen is the best videos. Uh, uh, that was a, so yesterday I was, I actually had a conversation with a guy named Jack Cook, who knew, who's known mm -hmm. for doing vlogs out of LA. Yeah. And I actually said this to him in the conversation, like, this feels like it's the anchor point, but I don't know what's going to happen throughout the rest of the day. Yeah. That night I had, I've been taking these business coaching classes and I had like this incredible deep conversation with the person that I was doing the practice coaching with. And it was, and I'm like, oh my God, like this was, and it wasn't anything, but I knew I could talk about it in a way that was going to be very real. And I could just yeah. kind of feel like, all right, this is, this is now the anchor point, but um, but that's kind of the fun part of it too, is that yeah. make it like just kind of capturing and then it's like, how well can I then recap it? Which is why I try to get it out the next morning or I try to be mm -hmm. done with the post and then usually wait until five o'clock to post it. Because if the further I get away from the day, the more I kind of lose like whatever might've happened. So um, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, if, if the, hopefully if there's a takeaway here between your story, uh, which is nuts and just in general it's like just you know go capture it's, it's more documentary yeah. than it is anything else yeah sometimes not knowing the final destination of your video is what makes it exciting for you too and it's not boring and mundane um after a while yeah and totally. then um now i want to get into a little bit about i think you and i are similar in that there's kind of this line that we walk where it's like we have this this career that like we've built and I like for me I love my nine to five like I have no feeling of like I like f this like I'm over it like I'm being a creator to get out of it instead I kind of fell into creation on accident and it's this balancing act and so my question to you is how has your corporate community reacted to you growing a fan base on social media um, do you want to do it full time eventually, or do you like balancing the two? And I, the reason I ask is because some people that maybe you and I are unique because we work in marketing, but I've heard mm -hmm. stories of people that go viral and then they get let go from their job or they're told that they can't be an online personality and continue working. So what has your general, gen, general reaction been from your corporate life? At first it was crickets, which was amazing, right? Yeah. It was you know, started out, nobody had any idea. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute. And I actually remember yes. somebody said, somebody brought it up before I had a million likes and they said, you know, Hey, if you get a million likes, are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. And my, I remember my boss was by the conversation. He was kind of like, what are you guys talking about? And it got explained to him. And I remember saying like, trying to make something useful out of it. If I get to a million likes, I will, give a presentation if you want me to about what mm -hmm. I've learned from a marketing perspective and how it might be useful to us as a brand. And nobody ever came back and said, Hey, and there were like a handful of people in the office that, that knew about it at the time. Um, you know, 33 million likes later and yeah. I've, it comes up more and more, but it mm -hmm. got to a place where it was almost too big for anything to be done, so to speak. Yeah. Where now it's just kind of like, okay, this thing exists. 
And because I'm very positive about just about everything underneath the sun, it's just the way that I'm wired. Yeah. There isn't a there isn't any reason for the corporate space to take issue with. In fact, they've they've used mm-hmm. me a couple times in LinkedIn campaigns, wow. um, which makes perfect sense. Like I've had a bunch of people that have reached out. And we've had some incredible mm-hmm. hires from very non traditional paths yeah. that have come out of the fact that they found me on on TikTok and then mm-hmm. started a conversation that way. So it's been it's been a total mixed bag. I feel it's it's hilarious and awkward when. I'll go into, you know, senior leadership meetings, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a huge company, it's a 100,000 person company. And you're in these senior leadership meetings, they're kind of like your quintessential, you know, huge hotel, um, you know, massive ballroom, and you've got all these tables mm-hmm. there for three days. And you have some leaders that come over and they're like, my daughter follows you oh. or... I just found out over there. And for the most part, it's actually, it's like super cool and heartwarming. I always blush and I always like start yeah. to kind of sweat a little bit where I'm like, where is this going? I'll ask some people that are like, Hey, can I take, can I take a picture with you? And so I can send it to my kid. Um, so oh it's, it's, it's all over the map and I'm just, I'm yeah. trying to, I don't know. I don't know what's, I don't know where it's going, Coco. I really yeah. don't. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I just try to put myself in a position to try to keep making it if I want to. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely love doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of almost going back to the question in the conversation about whether or not you're making a mistake in a post, as long as I feel like my intentions are good and I'm not doing anything that's going to be detrimental to, especially my team, yeah. but obviously the company overall, just because like we, we help small businesses at scale, like what my company does help small businesses at scale. Mm-hmm. So there's something like inherently that feels good about who we are and what we do. Yeah. So for all those reasons, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm good with where I am. The one thing that I do question is based off of the help, based off of where I get questions from the audience, and based off of where I've been helpful, because every once in a while I'll pull like somebody be like, hey, it'd be amazing to have a chat. And I'll just like grab that LinkedIn, you know, request or something. I'll be like, cool, here's 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, let's have a chat. I love that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I've somebody told me a few years ago, the first person that was on my team to retire, which was wild, um, just because I started in this role. I've been in an executive level role now for 10 years, starting at 35. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of fuels me feeling like the 25-year-old is stuck in a, you know, now 45-year-old's world. Yeah. And somebody said to me, like, hey, I wish I would have met you 20 years ago in my career. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, I never would have yeah. never would have sought out to be like, hey, in my, you know, in my career, I want to be, like, helpful. So from, like, a career guidance perspective, I feel like there's more that I can do and, like, broader help that I can provide. But... Mm-hmm that's like a very long-winded way of saying <laughs> i'm fine with where i am i'm good yeah. with what i'm doing yeah. the creator the full-time creator thing is not necessarily what interests me if mm-hmm. there is another path it's more is there a greater opportunity to be more helpful at scale because i truly believe yeah. based on what i've seen in the 20 years of my career so far i can help the next generations do what they want to do with corporate america if they want to mm-hmm. change things in a more holistic sense, they'd be like, yo, I'll tell you how the budgets work. 
I'll tell you how you need to make yeah. friends with these people in these departments if you want to be able to have like broader influence. If yeah. you want to be at the top of one of the Fortune 500 companies so that you can change broader, you know, policy about, you know, how you're impacting the environment and close, you know, pay wage gaps and like those types of things, cool, I'll teach you how to do that. So mm -hmm. that's the space that interests me in regards to what else could there be, but you know, I'm also very practical or I'm like, whatever is next on my calendar is my next yeah. thing that I need to worry about. To see. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And that keeps me present and focused too, which I'm totally yeah. good with. Yeah. And, and I guess we'll get to that too in a question, but so much of it too is like, I always remind myself that this could all be gone tomorrow. Like even whether totally. it's a TikTok ban or an algorithm change, I'm like, these apps owe me nothing. Like this has been a free ride. I'm so grateful for what I've been able to get from it this far. And like, I never feel like they owe me a career or they owe me anything. Like it's all just, you know, whatever I'm getting from it, I'm like so grateful for. Um, and that leads me just to give a little bit of context as well into you as not just the creator, but what you do. I, when I was doing some research, it, I read that you, are an Emmy award-winning executive. Um, so what was that project about? If you can, uh, whatever you can disclose. Yeah, no, it was actually, so uh, it was a while ago. It was the 2005 British Open Championship. It was when I was working for ABC Sports and we did the live broadcast of the British Open in St. Andrews, Scotland. Uh, it was Jack Nicholas's last British Open, which was a huge piece of why it won the Emmy, just because it was had so much of a showcase on it. And yeah. um, I was one of many on the team that would that got the Emmy just for our combined efforts to make that the telecast that it was. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact, I mean, you know, I'm sure anybody who's won an award at some point would love to win multiple of them and not have like one with a huge kind of timeline gap in between when it was and when you currently are yeah. but at the same time i love the fact that a just obviously having the experience but b like there was a while where i thought i'm going to be in live sports production for the rest of my career and it wasn't until i got married and i'm like all right this is way too much travel for me to be yeah. married and, you know and this is not the career for family life and career life to really be um you know fueling each other in the right way because I don't want to be gone from the person that I married for 36 weeks a year. But that Emmy and that story remind me of how much I loved live sports production and how so much of what I learned then about storytelling continues to help me now. Yeah. And it's just, it's such an interesting, fascinating production puzzle when you're fought like golf. Most people would think like, that sounds boring as hell, but <laughs> producing live golf is nuts. It's like eight football games at the same time because everybody's playing at the same oh, time yeah. across a golf course. So half of it's live, half of it's on tape, like to manage the graphics and the audio, like it is, it's quite the, uh, it's, it's, quite, it's quite moving the parts. Well, and yeah, that makes sense. So it just, it made for a, an amazing learning experience. It's like a fantastic first few years in my career. Yeah. Um, the fact that even just having that on my resume allows me to speak a bit more about what that, you know, first five years was like, um, is, is super fun. 
Yeah. And I wonder how much of that subconsciously helps you with even like the vlogs you're making now where no better example of not knowing the outcome of something when you're going into it, but live sports, like you, the whole point is that people don't know what's going to happen. Like, and just as someone who's telling this story, you just have to be able to hold the audience's hand through that unknown. And maybe I'm thinking too deeply of it, but it kind of makes sense that you now have this platform that you're kind of creating these videos that are the same where you're just going about your day and holding the audience's hand through the, your day of the unknown and what could happen, you know? Coco, that is super smart. I never thought of that before. I thought of like the music aspect of it because I was, you know, I volunteered myself for, you know, you know, when I started, I was like, Hey, would we ever think of playing like the red hot chili peppers going in and out? Like I was trying to help make it more (laughs) progressive and I wanted to put my thumbprint on things. But uh, that's that is super smart. I never thought about it before, but that is a hundred percent true because you don't know what's going to happen. You just Mm kind of have to digest and then do your best with what you get in real time. Yeah. Like just, just holding on to the horse while it's going full speed ahead and hoping you can take people along with you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I could connect those dots. I feel like that's like what I seem to be good at is sometimes I'll tell people and they're like, Oh, I never thought of my videos like that or my direction like that. But, um, and, and so now moving now that we have that context, moving back into kind of your presence online, I've got a couple of questions. One of them being, um, if, and this is more so just on my mind, I asked it in an interview earlier today with someone else too, but like if TikTok was gone tomorrow, what is your game plan? Do you have like a strategy? Like, do you want to bring your audience over to something else? Or are you kind of just like, that was a fun ride while it happened? Like, let me kind of go back into being not really a public figure anymore. As much as I want to say it's the latter, because there's a big part of me that wants to be like, what am I doing? Just go back yeah. to your old world. Like that's mm-hmm, same. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it is a odd balancing act when you have a normal job, so to speak. Yeah. But I, I love the process too much. Like I just, yeah. I love making stuff too much. Yeah. And it would be a combination of YouTube and Instagram for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm born and raised in 16 by nine format. You know, yeah. it took a lot for me to adjust and flip the phone around and get comfortable shooting that way. So I think yeah. I'd be very comfortable in the YouTube space. At the same time, I do like the fact that Instagram has, I think actually think Instagram Reels has a far better tool set for utilizing music for the purpose of storytelling than TikTok yeah. does. Mm-hmm. TikTok, you're just stuck with whatever clip that they give you from that song. Yeah. I've got a yeah. thousand videos in my head of, you know, that go to stroke songs and radiohead yeah. songs, but it's like, every time I go to them, I'm like, I don't want this, th- I don't want this 15, this 30 second piece of it. Like I need the yeah. other piece, but on Instagram, you can actually do that. So, and on TikTok, uh, it's all sped up. It's all like the Alvin and the chipmunks version where it's like, they love those sped up versions of songs on there. And, and it's, which is, it's just a different type of creativity, but I think it also creates yeah. a sea of sameness. Yeah. And so I, it would probably be a combination because I, I like the fact that I used to do this super goofy interview show in my basement where like literally mm-hmm. one day I came home and I was like, babe, 
I figured out how to do like a 60 minute style setup for interviews in the basement. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, <laughs> we take our two phones and I've got this wireless mic set. And if we just clap at the same time, I'm terrible at editing, but I can layer them on top of each other and they'll be able to like figure out how to cut back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so I brought her down there and asked her five of the stupidest questions ever, including her, what's the dumbest thing I've ever said to you? And it was just fun to do. So yeah. a thousand percent, I'm continuing. At least if that happened today, it's like literally tomorrow I'd pick up and be like, cool, today's going to be a YouTube blog. Yeah. But um, but I mean, that's about as far as I've taken in regards to like what the strategy would be, but yeah. I would I'd have to continue. It's just, it's it's too fun to me. Yeah, it really is. I think too, what I like about it is it's like, it's mine. Like it's the one thing that's mine, at least working in corporate and stuff. Like I go into it knowing that I'm putting my heart out there and my ideas out there and I don't own it. And that's what I sign up for. Like that's the beauty of it is I have these people that I collaborate with and these resources that I would never really have on my own, but I don't own any of that IP um, intellectual property for anyone listening. But Mm -hmm. I, with my TikTok, it's like, this is mine. Like this is, or my podcast, I'm like, this is something that's like for better or for worse, like this is mine. And I don't know, it just kind of makes me excited to nurture it, knowing that if it fails, that's on me and that's okay. But also if it succeeds, like no one else can step in and take credit on like an email thread or something. Like it's just mine and mine only. Um, And then, so another question I have, and I know you had made a video about seeing him running, I believe, when I was doing some research as well. Um, So you've actually been compared to Casey Neistat. And I guess my question to you is like, what do you think of that comparison? And apologies if I've missed a chapter in the story, but have you guys ever like spoken directly or over DMs or anything or kind of what do you, what just, where do you stand on that comparison? I feel bad for him, honestly. <laughs> like I feel sometimes I'm like, it's kind of unfair and yeah. it makes me cringe a little bit. I get it. I, I, I get it. I get it a little bit. Uh, I'm incredibly flattered by it. Like yeah. incredibly flattered by it. Cause he's, you know, he's in the hall of fame in regards to this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is really, really flattering. I'm 45. He's 41. I actually think I'm a little too old to have lived through what most people lived through when he did his daily vlogs and like got into yeah. it. When it first started to pop up, I swear to God, I'm like, I kind of recognize the name, but I'm not sure what people are talking about. I knew, (laughs) I knew this, I knew the snowboarding through New York city video Mm -hmm. and I knew the bike lane video, but I was not familiar with the daily vlog thing. And you know, he's, he's a, he's a genius in his space. So I, Mm -hmm. my first reaction is I feel bad. And I think it's unfair to him to a certain extent. It is extraordinarily flattering. We've never had a direct conversation. Yeah. It's funny, our worlds are kind of narrowing a little bit. And we literally like, it was it was very surreal and it was super fun. And it was why I made a post out of it because it was just him and I on wow. this really quiet Brooklyn block at maybe 6.45, 7 o'clock in the morning. I was in a very deep headspace about work and just mm-hmm. like thinking through something that was just kind of felt daunting. And I, you know, I take these long mm-hmm. walks on weekend mornings if I'm not running and just soak it and digest and i see this guy running on the other side of the block and i'm like that's fucking casey and so as he gets closer i just i was like morning casey 
and looked over and seemed to have no idea who I was, which I'm not surprised by. And I was like, hey, good morning. And that was it. And I was like, it's so funny because it has popped up in the comments for, you know, well over a year now. And, you know, more and more as time goes on. But he's got friends that I'm friends with. Mm-hmm. And I've, we've even had, I've had some people that I've met that are like, you know, I should introduce you guys. So part of me is like, I don't know if he, and then it kind of gets in your head a little bit where you're like, yeah, you know, does he, does he know who I am? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just don't want to be associated with that guy. Total realistic possibility, right? Yeah. Total realistic possibility. Or just does he not know? Cause he's so busy and he has his own space. So, um, it's flattering. I kind of feel bad for him. I think it'd be a fascinating conversation to have, um, yeah. but also like kind of really appreciate the fact that as a couple of guys in our forties that have small kids, um, even just kind of like a New York city dad to a New York city dad thing, yeah. anything totally off camera, you know, could probably be, uh, interesting as well. But, um, it's also just like the fun of this, like I never in a million years, you know, think like, oh, I do this. And then I get to a place where this comparison would be made to this person who had done this thing and mm-hmm. has made a prolific career out of it. So, um, yeah, anyway. yeah, he really is in, in the Hall of Fame and a, a couple of points on what you said. One, um, it's I think at least for me, what I see in both of you. And again, I'm also not like as well versed on Casey. Like I was more into like the makeup gurus and stuff. Um, But you both, I think, have this curiosity for life. And you say it when you're like, you feel like a 25 year old in a 45 year old's body where I think it, people go online, they don't necessarily always want to be lectured at. They want to be, they want companionship. And I think you both approach videos in like a, I'm curious to see how this happens way, not in like a, I'm going to show you how to live. Like, this is what you have to do way. Um, and so I think at least for me, that's where that, I think you guys are very similar. Um, Cause you guys are both like at, at a point, I think where you could be like this, like here's my Ted talk on how to live the best life ever, according to me. But like, you guys don't approach it that way. It's very like, I'm just curious to see what the next thing is going to bring me and and what this ex- kind of a, like an experiment or what these different things could be like. Um, and then that leads me to my next question of not even maybe Casey Neistat, but have you ever, because I have a, I ha- this is me going off script. I have a point in my head that I'm getting at, but I want to ask you, have you ever had either like a other influencer or celebrity follow you or DM you? And it almost like psychs in a way, sometimes it psychs me out where I'm like, I almost get afraid to make videos because I'm like, they're going to unfollow me. Like, why did they like that? That was an accident. Like if they see another video, they're going to realize that I'm, I don't know. Have you ever had a certain celebrity either follow you or DM you and whether it psychs you out or not, what was that feeling like if it's happened? I am very, very, very lucky to say yes and yes times mm-hmm. like 15 probably where yeah. I almost felt like I've, I've responded to a few people and have said, I'm sorry, somebody hacked your account and started following me <laughs> like, you know, and just tried to lay out some like self-deprecating response right out of the gate yeah. and then become self-conscious moving forward at <laughs> once. So Katie Couric, um, what I know is like probably not every uh, demographic is gonna 
fully get this with Katie, Katie Kirk is one of the you know one of the yeah. most well-known news reporters Journal. of all time mm -hmm. and she she sent me a dm to participate in something that she did for her she's got Katie Kirk media and yeah. she was looking for me to participate in a holiday gifting guide thing she's like I'm asking some of my favorite you know Instagram creators to do blah, blah, blah. And like made specific yeah. reference to the TikTok videos as well. And I assumed that it was a social media team that had sent me the DM. Yeah. And so I literally responded, I was like, hey, Katie or Katie's social media team, like to try to be like, yeah. I know how this works. Funny. Like this is probably like a few people, you know, mm -hmm. in their, you know, entry level jobs or whatever. And, but I was still like, yes, cool. I'll totally do this. But I just wanted to basically, it was like a self-deprecating way to say, I know this isn't really Katie Couric. Like, why would you yeah. <laughs> And so she responded the next morning. She was like, ha, you know, thanks for being on board. Please email so-and-so. I'll tell her to expect your thing. And I'm like, it was that, was totally, that was totally Katie. So um, it's been, the, oh, the best part about that is, and maybe you feel similarly is, mm -hmm. I've, I've, you know, if I, cause I'm not selling anything with what I'm doing, but if I can sell people on trusting me or selling people on just yeah. like respecting what I'm doing, then that's dope. Yeah. So there have been people that I've really respected when I started that I'm like, that would be an amazing, like creator friend to have, or like, that would yeah. be somebody like you or somebody when I started to see your, you being able to have this amazing future facing view on the business i was like that'd be dope to be on her radar right yeah. so they're like they're living people along the way including you where i'm like these are people that i would be that would be really nice if i mm -hmm. if they noticed me um yeah. just because of, i when you enjoy doing something so much i think that there's a certain amount of pride even if you say like i just do it for the game you do it for the game but that means that you have pride in how well you do the game right mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, that's an amazing question because there's been a bunch where I'm like, so, I'm like, oh man. I've, and then I just all of a sudden turn into my 15 year old awkward self and I either like yeah. try too hard or like I say yeah, something same. stupid, but yes. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, an, I guess it's inevitable for, uh, yeah. in some cases. That's, that's so funny. I actually, it's funny. You said Katie Kirk, I read her biography in high school cause I wanted to be a journalist so bad. And then I couldn't mm -hmm. pass this one like grammar, spelling, and punctuation test in college. So I had to pivot to marketing, which it worked out. But Katie Kirk was one of those people that I was like obsessed with. Um, and yeah, I, I think also maybe you and I are similar and you kind of said this in passing about the Casey Neistat and like both just being dads in New York. But for me, and I don't know if this is to the detriment sometimes of my, not like career, but when I meet people that are huge online either at events or they follow me like for the most part my thought of connecting them is like just human to human I'm like we don't need cameras like unless we're mm -hmm. filming a podcast or something I'm like I'm happy to just connect with them like on a human level I feel like so many of the interactions especially the bigger they get are like okay let's film a vlog together like when we're there let's take a selfie and I'm like I'm just happy that we've we've made eye contact and like have that mm -hmm. human connection and for me that's sometimes more exciting than what I can get from the person or just just knowing that we've crossed paths momentarily is usually exciting for me 
um, as well. And then I have to kind of tune out the fact that they follow me because sometimes if I know certain people follow me, I think I get nervous and I'm not really focused on making good content. I'm like trying to impress them. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's like, like you said, like your 15 year old self, I'm like, oh my God, the captain of the cheerleading squad, like, like wants to go to my party, like, and, and you're not really thinking clearly anymore. So yeah, it's funny. Um, and then this kind of leads me to another question. And um, this is, if you could work with any like celebrity or even just like a brand, I don't want to, I don't mean to make this so celebrity focused, but if you could work with anyone on a project, either on your TikTok or like you said, you are now, you have a YouTube, who would that be and why, what would you guys do? Or if you had like a show like Hot Ones or Carpool Karaoke, what would that look like? Uh, so many potential answers that pop into my head, kind of, kind of try to rock off a few super quick. So brands, there's some that are just incredibly organic to my lifestyle. So a couple in the popcorn space, a beer brewery that's around the corner that I just buy from and talk about incessantly. (laughs) Um, you know, certainly like, you know, you'd have delusions of grandeur around like Nike would be an amazing, uh, brand to be able to work with just because I, I played, I played ice hockey for a while, uh, played in Canada, had a year of playing juniors. And I mean, you were always like, I was all about the uniform and I was a goalie. So it was all about like how everything was just like aesthetically together. It's actually like part of why my style is the way that it is. Yeah. And so when I buy brands, I just buy one brand and I try to look at it almost like this is now the swim lane that I'm in, even if I have no association with them. Yeah. So that makes Nike come to mind because my wife is from Beaverton. And so basically, you know, everything that we have that's athletic is, uh, is Nike. From a creator perspective, you know, there's, I, I, I want to say Mr. Beast because mm-hmm. from a spreading good at scale quickly, that is the number one place to go, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there's some sort of cross country adventure in there where the most resumes ever updated in the shortest period of time to be able to help people get their foot in the door, something like that happens where it's truly like an altruistic angle that provides insight at scale quickly and helps change people's lives. That would be, that would be super dope on the, you know, also on the, you know, on the creator side, things like, you know, I'm obsessed with protein bars. So mm-hmm. sitting down and doing a protein bar review session with somebody like Keith Lee would be amazing just because he's oh, like, yeah. I feel like he's America's sweetheart right now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the, that that's the fun in this space too, is yeah. that those types of things do legitimately pop into your head where I can't tell you how many things I watch or I see and I'm like, that would be amazing to do. It's not my swim lane. So I'm not going to like try to do something yeah. in that space, but it's just fun to kind of like, tinker with those potentials or that like kind of opportunity if it were almost like from a daydreaming perspective um it's like you know yes you like you'd be out back you know pretending like you're in the world series who's you know who's on your team or like who are you playing against type of scenario um which you know just makes it that much more fun and kind of keeps the youthfulness alive throughout all of it too yeah fun to think about i feel like for like for my perspective and I know we're getting tight on time so I'm gonna be mindful but if you ever had a show or anything I feel like you would be so good at like a talk show where it's 
you and the person meet at one spot and then you're like taking the subway and going through New York to like a second location and it's the conversations you have along the way like one of those just like almost like selfie GoPro cameras that they hold on a pole like that and it's just I don't know I, I feel like when I think of you and and I, I would think that'd be one of your more comfortable elements and it'd be interesting I but. love that idea I might steal it but also I'll, yes. I'll tell you this idea that I have that if I get to a million followers, if TikTok either doesn't get shipped down or if like, if it actually mm-hmm. happens, because to your point earlier, like I don't, it's not a guarantee. Like, I don't care yeah. how close anybody is to any number. It's never a mm-hmm. guarantee. Yeah. Um, what I want to do is go to a place like Washington Square Park or one of the places that usually has like the people that will walk up and do the man street and set up a desk and wow. put up a sign that says free career advice. And oh, just see, because it's, it's my sweet spot, right? Like that's, yeah. that's where I can be the most help and have people come by and they can bring their resume, they can bring a work project, they can just bring a problem at work. Yes. And, you know, I've even gone as far as like, could I bring something with a QR code so nobody would have to wait in line? They can just like scan it and then come back at another time. Yeah. So if I made it to a million, I thought like that would just be fun as a way to pay it forward and almost be yes. like a reverse man on the street type of approach. So um, yeah. I think it's fascinating that you put out the idea that you had because um, uh, yours might, you know, yours, uh, yours might be better from a longevity perspective, but anyway, that made me think of what I, w- what I yeah, would I- do if I had a million. Yeah, that that's no yours is uh, yours is brilliant. I feel like a lot of the man on the streets are sometimes for entertainment sake, kind of, at the expense of the person that gets interviewed sometimes and never malicious, but like, so it's cool that I think yours would be more adding value to someone. Um, and then, okay. So now I'm going to go last question. I ask every guest this and it can be digital media. It can be clothing, whatever. What is something that you think is going to be trendy in a year from now? And what is something that you think might be outdated? Trending a year from now is going to be long-term deals between brands and creators. I think that the one-offs is something that's going to go away. It is just so like knowing the marketing space and seeing what goes into just the interactions of, Hey, are you interested in this is way too many man hours for this to continue to be something that just continues to exist in its current capacity. I think it's going to start to turn into what brand deals look like in long form TV shows where it's like, Hey, we're going to, you know, it's going to be a GM car. That's going to be part of the series. And we're guaranteed three seconds of exposure every third episode. I think mm-hmm. that that's the kind of the long-term path for what now feels like more just one-offs versus, you know, greater consistency. Uh, I think be real is going to have a really is going to have a challenge uh, in time. Mm. I actually love this space and I've opened myself up and have accepted every single invite that has come through because I think it's so fascinating to just be like now and there's nothing that you can do other than just be real. But because they limit how many people can, like how many friends you can have, I think that that's, it doesn't allow for creators to utilize that space as a true open window into am I really who I say I am? Or can I give you a different angle into what, who I say I am? Where yeah. I heard another creator say, this, like, nobody really wants to be a B-realer. But if they mm-hmm. expanded themselves and started to get into, A, if they opened it up so that anybody can follow, B, that would be mm-hmm. better for, for brands too. Like brands could do some really interesting things 
if they could have 2 million followers and it was like, what is the Eminem character going to do today? Or like, what yeah. is going to be that like, you know, kind of like made up scene because it's like, oh, I'm at the factory or like, oh, I'm driving yeah. home. Like, you know, like there were some, some really interesting scenarios there. Or if they even took it further and made it into like immediate quick turn creative things, it's like, what is the nearest blank by you or, you know, expanded it otherwise. So I think in the current state, be real is going to be uh, challenging. And last answer, I think like long-term never goes out of style um, yeah. is, is authenticity, right? I think mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter what platform, uh, whether we're talking brand deals, whether we're talking technology, you know, things like AI, et cetera, you know, I think, I think authenticity is going to continue to, um, to win across the board. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the points. I think the, the long-term brand deals, it makes me think of like, maybe we've seen it already, but waiting for that creator to kind of pull off the Michael Jordan and Nike, like Air Force One, like if someone can do that and then create this product mm -hmm. that kind of also revolutionizes already set brand that outlives the creator, even when their career is over, like that would be the future and that would be the long-term gold and um in terms of like be real it would be interesting if they ever did uh because i think like with tiktok right now it's so oversaturated and there's thoughts of is it gonna end da, da, da. no one really knows but if be real even had a feature where like you could only upload a video at a certain time every single day that they send you a notification and it can't be like a pre-recorded like mm -hmm. to see which of those videos go viral of someone just being like oh I just got the notification like here's a quote from a book that I'm reading right now that I'm excited mm -hmm. about like I think that would be an interesting new way to be authentic and and maybe a logistical nightmare but it'd be I think a way they could stand out um but yeah th this has been so great um thank you so much for coming on and and talking with my audience.